Queers. Hey listeners, welcome to episode one of Fear the Talking Queers. Today we are going to be talking about Scream. Your scheduled program has been canceled. Thank you for tuning in, listeners. We um, have a very different episode planned today than we had originally intended. And before we start, we'd like to read you a statement. We are currently living through a historical time of a major virus that has put the world on pause. And what this virus should make us realize is that we are all equal in the sense that we are all made of flesh and blood and we all breathe the same air. These injustices against the Black community need to stop. We all deserve the same respect and the same opportunities, and those opportunities and respect will build a stronger, united nation that we can all be proud of. We need to remember the inclusion and acceptance our country is supposed to represent. We may not be able to change the minds of racists, but we can certainly change the socioeconomic systems in place that give permission to be racist and that keep minorities oppressed. So let's stand together and support one another to make these systematic changes happen. And we'd like to dedicate this episode to the icons of Black excellence that inspire us as men, gays, and purveyors of pop culture. So as you've learned already, um, we have decided to not do our very first episode. I know I couldn't personally, in this climate that we're in right now, go forward in good faith without addressing this and for this to be more important, you know? Right. No, it didn't feel right at all. We just think it's important to honor Black excellence, even in horror films. I think that it's important to support Black artists, to support Black art, movies, um, and that's what we yeah. do here is we, we love movies. This is what we talk about. Maybe it inspires you to go out and see stories created by people who have an incredibly different life experience than you do. We just wanted to talk about some people that we know inspire us, that have been incredible voices in their community for progress, and hopefully their messages, you know, are being heard by the the rest of the world. Well, it was very easy for me to compile a list of Black artists that I absolutely appreciate and that I absolutely love Mm -hmm. and that I'm absolutely inspired by. And we're going to start this list off with none other than the Wayans brothers. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) They was members of their family, Kim Wayans. um, And I believe Keenan Ivory Wayans were both on in living color. That is a, that is a family that has worked so hard and worked their ass off and, you know, has, has met such great success. Like the things that they created have stuck with me. I mean, I mean, I think scary movie and scary movie two are uh, some of the most I, I love watching those movies so much Jake do you li- do you realize that some of the writing that Marlon and Sean Wayans did for Scary Movie has influenced the vocabulary that we use today I, <laughs> like uh, half of what we say comes from that oh, movie d- uh, yes yes I can quote that movie those movies down and the movie was also directed by their brother Keenan Ivory yes, Wayans it's a family it's, so a, fam- it was a family, family affair. affair over there with the Wayans and I love that I I see Marlon all the time. Okay. I see him on Netflix. I see him doing all yes, kinds of stuff. Yes, and he's looking um, fine while he does it. So, <laughs> Oh, he is so cute. Yeah. Sean Wayans is cute, too. Our first connection came through quoting Scary Movie. Yes. Um, 
obviously the best character in the whole franchise, Brenda Meeks, played by Regina Hall. Uh, she is amazing. I mean, I know she's playing like, you know, a stereotype in those movies, but I mean, she does it so brilliantly she, and in a way where you just love she's her. A, I think she's a comedic genius. And, and I really, really enjoyed watching her career progress because because yes. she started, I mean, she started out with movies like, like Scary Movie and Malibu's Most Wanted and things like that. She was the comedic actress in it. She was, the, yeah, she was the she's, funny friend, you know. The funny friend, the comedic, the role comedic, that, role. of course, of course, of course. Like, but uh, you know, but she's gone on to be at the forefront of absolutely. She has progressed to be like a leading lady. Yeah. Girls Trip. Growing up watching her in Scary Movie and all the s- sequels to follow, I just loved her. She was my fa- she o- will always be my favorite character of that franchise. And I, I love her as an, an actress. And so to see her in Girls Trip being the leading lady, I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, it feels like, you know, rewarding to her fans even yeah. just to watch her play the leading lady. Yes, now. I agree. Did you know she used to be a teacher? I'm not surprised. I she she probably is a great. teacher. I would have loved to be in her class. I'm sure she is a great teacher. Hell yeah! So, uh, one of our favorite TV shows is Pose. Yes. Um, and the great thing about Pose is that it represents the trans lives in the ballroom scene and they actually for once got it right by casting mostly trans black actors to play these roles which is so important it's so important to have that representation on television Um, and most of them are truly great actors we have so much farther to go when it comes to to the trans movement and um, yeah, and and the representation in media and movies, and I think mm-hmm. this is has been an amazing journey that we've been on with them, and we get to see them go through the struggles that they've gone through, and you get to fall in love with them. While it, the subject matter is about who they who they are physically, yeah, the best part is that you get to they are so human. I love that that show gave the trans black community a platform to magnify their voices and really be heard and and seen um i hope they've been able to change minds and change hearts with this show my favorite character is candy ferocity Uh, (laughs) played by angelica Angelica ross Ross. i love her yeah spoiler alert her character is murdered and i was shook honey but she went on as an actress to play in uh, one of our other favorite shows american horror story 1984 she's great in that she's a good actress she's a good actress and i hope she wasn't my favorite on post for no reason right okay i i I mean i really i hope this means that she is in the running for every role that she should be up for she's beyond that so she's a trans advocate an actress a singer an entrepreneur she founded a company called trans tech social enterprises which is a company that empowers trans and gender non-conforming people by providing job training and leadership skills which is i mean tools that can't that aren't afforded to everybody they're not opportunities that everybody can come by so for her to start that for for a community that's very underrepresented is amazing. amazing. Absolutely. You can find out more about her by visiting MissRoss.com. <laughs> M-I-S-S-R-O-S-S.com. Yes, honey, yes. On the topic of our favorite TV shows, RuPaul's Drag Race. I mean, how could... We could not <laughs> talk about this. Starting with the grand queen herself, RuPaul. He is an important figure of the gay community. Uh, he may have said things that we don't like about our trans siblings, mm-hmm. but... 
We don't support those statements, but there's no denying his success and his voice in mainstream media. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, my goodness, he's he is the most famous drag queen ever, probably. Absolutely. Because of RuPaul, I was exposed to drag at an early age uh, when the Brady Bunch movie came out. And my mom was a, yeah. in love with that movie and I became in love with that movie. And I was like, Mom, who's that? And she's like, that's RuPaul. It's, you know, a man, he does drag. You know, she explained the tea to me and I was like, what? I, I remember, I I remember being young and seeing RuPaul CDs in, in like the music store. When I came out, I was gay when I was 18. Uh, RuPaul's Drag Race's first season was was debuting. Specifically, I will never forget the first moment that I ever saw that show. And I was like, oh. wait, that's RuPaul. Like, I've seen her. I didn't know much about her. But I knew she had yeah. to be successful in order to be hosting this show. You know, what she's created since has changed my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely changed my life. And... um there are moments that were like when I first see somebody or first like see something, I'm like, that's going to be part of my life. And I feel like that's what those moments were when I was in the music store looking at her CDs and being like, I don't know what it is, but this, this person, this, whoever they are is going to mean something to me. And I think like looking back, like that is that moment when I wasn't sure what it was. And now I can be sure that I knew that RuPaul was going to have an effect on me on I guess maybe even the world. I mean, she absolutely has, especially the gay gay community. Amongst his many successful endeavors, RuPaul's Drag Race, which features excellence in the drag community and the black community. So we just had, got our crowned winner the other day, Jada Essence Hall. Jada Essence Hall. Yes. Winner of season 12. Congrats, We're so happy for her. Oh my God. We're, I was rooting we for, root- for her. When she was doing her interviews in that finale, I was like, what an approachable person. Like, just totally just your type of girl. Like, you could just go, and I could, I could see that being one of my friends. Yeah. And of course, black excellence on Drag Race, we cannot keep going unless we talk about Miss Shea Coulee. Shea Coulee, the robbed winner. The Rob winner of season nine, but she's back for All Stars Five starting this Friday, and I can't wait to see her crowned. If she's not crowned the winner of All Stars Five, I am boycotting. Yeah, she was pure talent. She was again just like Jada. She was talent, but she had humor. She had she had it all, and um, we love Shea Coulee, and I'm excited to see her journey continue. Shangela, uh, I I have been watching. Like when you have you watched We're Here yet? Yes. yes, and I—I I don't think we deserve Shangela. I—I <laughs> I don't think we. I mean, my she. I feel that way about Bob. I mean, both. I, I love. I mean, Bob. both of them. Both of them are incredible. But there's something just about Shangela and her ability to take to be in any situation with any person and uh-huh. create joy and um, laughter and connection. When I saw her in A Star is Born, I was like, this is the next generation's RuPaul. It, yeah, she has to be. And cause she, is, she is so talented. We've been on a journey with Shangela since the beginning of RuPaul's Drag Race. I mean, <laughs> since the beginning of her drag career. <laughs> literally when she was cast when she just had a wig on and walked on the set. <laughs> and some eyebrows. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think that's been a really exciting thing for us to watch. So on the topic of podcasts... 
Uh, two of our favorites also have uh, their own podcast called Sibling Rivalry. Yeah, sibling Rivalry um, is... Monet Exchange and Bob the Drag Queen, two other beautiful black queens who know what they're doing when it comes to showbiz. Yeah. It is so funny. And, you know, Bob is so smart and Monet... Is uh, also smart, but um, they're dynamic. <laughs> not that smart. <laughs> their di- their dynamic really um, is such a perfect fit. I think they they're, their dynamic is perfect. yeah. It is that perfect sim. Yeah, I mean, even though they are not Sibling actually rivalry. related, they are. Yeah. One says something, the other one kind of rags on it, and they laugh about it, and they still love each other at the end of the day. And of course, we have to finish off this conversation of RuPaul's Drag Race with Peppermint. Yes. Oh, pe- absolutely. She is stunning. She was second place on season nine. Yeah, she she's the runner up of season she nine. She went there, and she has gone on to to break glass ceilings. You know, she was the first trans woman to ever have a lead on Broadway. Yes, and the musical Head Over Heels. Yes, and that and that is is such progress. And I think that that opens so much door, so many doors for, you know, other performers that, that are constantly overlooked because of who they are. You know, our podcast is about horror films, so we can't go on without talking about some kind of horror related topic. (laughs) So Jake, what are we talking about? So, um, it's called Horror Noir, A History of Black Horror. Yes, it was written by Danielle Burroughs, Ashley Blackwell, and directed by Xavier Bergen. And it's on uh, Shudder, the streaming service, the horror movie streaming service, you know. I put it on today and I immediately text you. I was like, wait, you have to watch this. And we both did. And I'm so happy that I did because I I took today to also watch uh, 13th, which I had seen before, but I really, really paid attention and I was seeing what people had been talking about on social media, like these organizations and things like that. I, I had a greater knowledge of that because of um, what people have posted. There were a lot of the things that were in that 13th documentary that were in horror noir, uh, history of black horror, um, starting with birth of a nation, um, oh. which is a horrendously racist, um, silent film. It's horrific. Yeah, from a time when the government was really trying to scare the, the white population into thinking that black people were monsters and that the kkk was the salvation that the nation needed yeah yes there's a there's a white man in blackface who plays a character named gus who has this insatiable lust for white women and in turn he is he's lynched by the clan horrendously and this is like a movie that was it, it was played in in the white house this is the it's the first movie to ever be played in the white house most poignant things I heard from one of the uh, the scholars, the black scholars that were um, speaking, was that black history is horror. It's black horror. I literally wrote that down. In I thought that w- she said black history is black horror. Yes, because you you look back at you know th- what was being created, what was Hollywood is creating yes. a fear of black yes. people Hollywood- by making monsters in the image of black people. They reference Creature from the Black Lagoon and King Kong being fashioned after those racist black caricatures that they used to have back in that day. You're supposed to be scared of the black community. Right. They were creating fear for people. Right. You're, you're portrayed to be a monster, yet you're the one who has to live in fear. 
because of the black films that that were discussed in that first 10 minutes leading up to that quote was were get out and um and the birth of a nation which are both black horror films but and then it led into that black history is black horror and those movies while fantasy well the, you know the birth of a nation really isn't but get out while it's fantasy horror film it's very it resonates very true for people one of the scholars had said that if you look at black horror films you'll notice that a lot of them most of them have to do with people of color finally getting the the justice that they don't receive in reality uh tales from the hood which is like an mm. anthology film such a good movie i need to revisit that yeah one which which sure. is like it's like four short so good. four short um stories each one of them takes a, like a horror in the black experience and flips it on its head so there's like one about a, a racist politician and there's one about um a man who abuses oh yeah his wife. a man who abuses his wife and uh, and the kid watches yeah and um police brutality yes um yes there's one there's one about that and it's it's almost as if like this is how like a cathartic experience for them you know that they they yeah. get the justice that they've not been afforded for four for, four hundred years, you know. Absolutely, and still, and to this day, with everything that's going on, still we cannot get the justice for yeah, the black community. Are, yeah, there's still a need for justice. How are we still doing this? How are we still going through this? How are they still experiencing this? It's horrible. Yeah. What were some of the films that they talked about? That you- so I found out about a lot of films that I had never paid attention to or have never known about. Um, one of them was okay. Well, first, can I just say the uh, talent that they got to do the narration in here? Uh, Tony Todd, yes. Candyman, yeah, can't, amazing. Yes, Candyman is there. Paula J. Parker. I love Paula J. Parker. She's the, from the Proud Family. She's from <laughs> Friday. I love Paula J. Parker. Uh, Rachel True from The Craft. Yes. Um, Keith David, Loretta Devine, yes. Ken For—I don't know if it's Ken Forey or Foray, but I like him. Too. I'm gonna say Foray. That sounds fun. Um, Rachel True said something very funny, where it's like she said, "You know, I—I I wanted to be, you know, the actress in the leading role, and I—I I, I can never be. I had to practice the line, <laughs> Are you okay?' For every single yeah, audition I was yeah, going to. Her- and then they show her in a movie, go, asking Alyssa Milano, "Are you okay?" Yeah. She was only ever afforded the best friend role yeah because black characters you know in some movies in most movies are just that supporting character that just are there to contribute to the white yes yes their their purpose is to make sure that the story of the white characters shine brightly literally that they're either they either die so that the white people know there's danger. Oh, or that was also they something. ask if they're okay so they can add the white people's support. Right. Wait, that was that one really blew my mind. They called out some tropes, you know, and this one mm-hmm. really blew my mind. And I was like, what? That is so true that black men in horror films and, you know, action films and things like that, the it's- point of them is to to show how scary the monster is. Yes. If they don't die within the first 30 minutes, they're only lasting to be compared to the monster. Yes. So if the monster kills that person, the danger is real for the white character. If this monster can kill him, then our white characters are not safe at all. And that really floored me. The 1968 classic Night of the Living Dead. 
because oh. uh right okay so night of the living dead is probably one of the first zombie films ever created yeah uh, definitely the most iconic definitely the most iconic and um one of the most significant thing about the about the film is that the the protagonist is actually is a black man he's not playing any of those tropes he is a strong heroic character he was played by an actor named Dwayne Jones very handsome strong one of the things that they talked about they're like oh my gosh it was it was a revelation for us to see a a strong black man beat the crap out of white characters and killing (laughs) killing kill white zombies zombies. I was like yeah I mean it's not about inciting violence, but there's probably a, a sort of catharsis it's in that, that moment. That justice yeah. that you're seeing on felt like black people getting justice for things that were actually happening. So like at the end of the night, at the end of night of the living dead, Dwayne Jones, as powerful as his character is in that movie, as heroic as he is, he ends up still dying in the end, getting shot by a white mob, which was happening in the South. And the sad part is this is still happening. This happened to Ahmaud Arbery in the South. What, back in February? It's disgusting. But regardless of the ending, the movie was still a success, especially amongst black audiences, seeing a black hero portrayed on screen, being able to see that justice just may be possible, especially because during production, that's when Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. One of the things that I I absolutely loved that they talked about was that um, they talked to Jordan Peele, the writer and director of Get Out, and he he talks about how the ending of get out is directly inspired by night of the living dead about that character and how that brilliant moment in get out where after all, all the chaos that's gone on with all the white people um, that have tried to kill him. And he's, he, he finally, he finishes, you know, the last person off and he's almost free to go. And then the, the police show up and, and you just, and you light. see sirens and y- you automatically get, um, like an instant new rush of fear. You're like, oh no, the police have shown up. And there's a black man with a dead white girl. And you know that the audience is yes, thinking, and the audience great, is thinking, well, this is the end. Right. Wow. And, you know, and it, it directly harkens back to that time where it's like he can never win, you know. But luckily, right. Jordan Peele, being the brilliant man that he is, flips it. It's actually um, the ca- his friend yeah. that works at airport security. Yes. And, and he makes it out alive. Every white character in the movie is evil. I think it is a direct no. product of, of what they have... The world we live of in. The world we live in and the rhetoric that they have learned because of how the film industry has treated them throughout history. This documentary is by far probably the best horror documentary I've ever seen. Oh, Yes. I've watched a few, but this by far is the most memorable, the best piece together. It's not just about movies. It's about the world. The, the world, a, the nation yes. that we live in. And on all the direct correlations on what is what was going on within the black community and how the black community was treated by by white America. And how... And how they're portrayed yes, how, to the yes, world. How they're not only through yeah. film, but also like the news. Yeah. I think it's it does a brilliant job of correlating history with what we were seeing in films. Like, as, as we move, because it does start, you know, with Birth of a Nation and then moves, it's all, it moves all the way up to now, to get out, to us, to the future Candyman remake and Janelle Monae's Antebellum, which is, yeah. which is coming out soon. 
I think it's so worth a watch. If you have Shutter, watch it. If you don't, it's you can get a seven day, get the seven seven day, day trial. trial or pay four dollars and ninety five cents. It opened my mind, and it mm-hmm. it gave me a whole list of movies that I'm like, wait, what? I would love. I want to watch that. I've never seen mm-hmm. Blackula. I've never. Oh, I've never. Oh, sh- oh Sugar Hill. Sugar Hill. So good. I've never. Um, and- Eve's Bayou. I was like, oh, that looks like a really cool. You've never movie. seen Eve's Bayou. I've never seen Eve's Bayou. Oh, you ha- it's a must watch. I have loved Eve's Bayou since I was younger. Of course, you know, I was always watching films that were beyond my years. Eve's Bayou was definitely one of them because, it, you know, it follows this little girl, this young girl. And so I just you relate. You related that movie. I related. <laughs> I was like, I'm a young girl myself and I relate to this film. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I've never seen it, but I would love. I have never seen Candyman. I've never seen. Shut I've, the I've fuck seen. Up. I've seen Candyman: Day of the Dead, and it was because I was probably eleven o'clock at night, and I was bored, and it was it was playing on like I don't know stars or something. They're like you know you can tell Candyman you know is a primarily a black horror film, but you could tell that it came from a white mind because he's a terror. He was killed by right. white people, it's, it's, but he's terrorizing black people. Right. I cannot wait to see what Jordan Peele does with that material. Me too. I think, I mean, not I, again, I obviously have to educate myself more about, you know, the original. You need to watch I it. I need to watch it, but I mean, <laughs> I'm excited for it. I think it, it, for just from the trailer alone, I'm like, this looks fucking cool. I think it's going to be a fun time. I know you love the, the trailer music. Oh, say my name, say my name. <laughs> so good. That was so good. I was like, oh, God, yeah. he just knows how to use music. Jordan Peele is a visionary. Yeah. Uh, there's another film that's mentioned in there that I want to see seek out. Um, I don't know if it's called Blood Couple, but in the the, the documentary, they refer to it as Gagancha and Hess. And they said it's really hard to find, but it looks so styled and so 70s and so beautiful that I want to watch it of course it you know the it's a black horror film once again it's about a rich wealthy educated black man who becomes a vampire um and it really deviated from the black exploitation films that were out at the time and audiences of course thought that it was too sophisticated and artistic it was not the black films that they were trying to watch back right then. yeah and um i love that kind of shit i love those highly stylized hello my i fucking love shit like midsummer you know and so yeah it it looked beautiful when they were yeah. showing clips from it i was like and dwayne jones is the leading man Come through and dwayne I, jones i love him <laughs> yes um the other ones he talked about um uh, were uh Bones starring Snoop Dogg and Pam oh, Greer, which is like oh, which yeah. is like a great throwback to the to the black exploitation films of the nineteen seventies, like oh, like Blackula. It, there was another one during the nineties Renaissance that they mentioned, uh, Death by Temptation, which oh, I had never heard. I had of. heard of that. I heard I you did yes, and I I think somebody had shared a post about it. A lot of a lot of the you know the black community that was that was commenting were like, Oh my gosh, this movie used to scare me. This movie was like a, like a staple of horror. It had looked like it had some scary moments in right. it. Right. And I was like, what? I was like, oh, I was like, cool. Like, you know, and I heard that it was like, again, another one of those was like really hard to find. I'm sure because it didn't even look remastered in the clips they showed for me. It looked like it was recorded in a home video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but I want to seek that out and watch it because it looked good. They also talk about Wes Craven films and how, how he was inclusive of the black community in his films. He, uh, Vampire in Brooklyn yeah. starring Eddie Murphy. Right, yeah. 
and uh, Angela and Bassett. People under the stairs, which is a class. Oh yeah, Angela Bassett is in Vampire. I've Brooklyn. never seen and people I've, under the stairs. I've never seen the original People Under the Stairs. I know. What do you mean the original? There's a remake. Uh, isn't there? Oh, I think so. No, I'm getting that mixed up with that stupid other one. Um, that one with Katie Holmes. Uh, you know which one I'm talking about? Oh, with the boy. No, the other one. <laughs> it was like a Peter Jack. Oh, don't be looking afraid. Don't be afraid of the. Don't be afraid of the dark. Yeah, I think they have a similar plot. Don't look under the bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, people under the stairs, which I've never uh, seen it. Ah. Uh, uh, how can we do a horror podcast if you've never seen Candyman and people under the I stairs? I know exactly. I, I I have a lot of educating to do myself. I that's like one of the most exciting things about doing this podcast is that oh I'm God. excited about all the all the things that we're going to talk about and the movies yes. I'm going to get to watch. Just be- the films that we learned about just from watching this documentary. I'm so excited. Oh, I need to revisit uh, Tales from the Crib, The Demon Knight with Oh um, yes, Jada Pinkett. J- Jada Pinkett, and Billy Zane. the first okay. black final girl wait, in a horror film. I love that. I was like, yes. I was like, wait, what movie is this? I was like, why don't I know this? So I had, I had to look it up, and it was a, it was a Tales from the Crib yes. film, and I was like, wait, what? And when Jada Pinkett plays strong characters, she is a strong character. Okay. And set it off in Demon Knight and Scream 2. Yes, Scream 2. <laughs> Maureen Evans. Jada Pinkett, she just exudes this uh, control. Like, you just, she demands, and she's probably, what, four foot eight? Yeah, she's tiny. <laughs> in Girls Trip, she looks like, sometimes she looks like a little girl. Oh, compared to everybody else yes. who's like of normal height. Yes. And she's teen, <laughs> But she's had some demanding tiny. presence. Yeah, she's a great actress. I. Her eyes. There's something about her eyes that they just look like they tell the truth. Absolutely. Seek out this documentary, Horror Noir, A History of Black Horror on Shudder. Um, it's definitely worth a watch. And maybe you'll find something something new to watch that you've never watched. And you get to, you'll get to experience a part of culture that you probably overlooked. Yeah, so these new this new resurgence with Get Out, us, I'm sure the new Candyman, um, Antebellum, things of that nature. I mean, they're really bringing black horror to the forefront, which I was kind of thinking about because we talked about in our intro video how gays love horror films, and part of that must be with something being just an underrepresented community. Um, yeah, and that's kind of what they hint at for the black community as well. I don't know what it is that we see in as a, as marginalized people that. I, I think it's just it's a manifestation of frustrations, and we see the monsters. Um, yes, we see the monsters that people deal with every day, but we see them, you know, personified into like, you know, creatures, and um, in especially when when they're good horror films, like they're really complex, and um, just like we are, we we wouldn't feel right without making sure you guys have a very. Um, we give as many resources as we can to to help the 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 movement to help the protesters to help you know get the people that are, have been wrongfully imprisoned for these protests um out of confinement um so frankie has a has a few links for you guys to yeah. to look up 
So glad.org, G-L-A-A-D, we all know glad. Um, we put their link on our Instagram at fear the talking queer, spelled exactly how it sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, we put a link and they have everything from, you know, the NAACP legal fund that's helping get some of these protesters out of um, jail um, and things like that. And one of the ones that um, really stood out to me were the queer-led organizations. So Black Visions Collective is a black, trans, and queer-led organization, but their message goes beyond that. Um, they So their vision um, is as follows from their website, which is blackvisionm n.org mn as in minnesota mm-hmm. um since 2017 black visions collective has been putting into practice the lessons learned from organizations before us in order to shape a political home for black people across minnesota we aim to center our work in healing and transformative just justice principles intentionally develop our organization's core dna to ensure sustainability and develop minnesota's emerging black leadership to lead powerful campaigns by building movements from the ground up with an integrated model we are creating the conditions for long-term success and transformation. So they are obviously in the epicenter of of the movement that's going on right now. So mm-hmm. that's definitely one to donate to um, if you're looking to donate to any of these uh, organizations. Um, another one uh, that they had mentioned was the Marsha P. Johnson Institute, um, which protects and defends the human rights of black transgender people. They do that by organizing advocating and creating an intentional community to heal, developing transformative leadership and promoting the collective power and obviously named after Ms. Marsha P. Johnson, one of the prominent figures of the Stonewall riots. Yes. You can learn more about them at Marsha, M-A-R-S-H-A, P.org work. And then um, also there is the National Black Justice Coalition. They can be found at NBJC, their acronym, National Black Justice Coalition, NBJC.org. The National Black Justice Coalition is a civil rights organization dedicated to the empowerment of black, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and same gender loving people, including people living with HIV and AIDS. Um, Their mission is to end racism, homophobia, and LGBTQ slash SG bias and stigma so definitely one for our community to reach out and support our black sisters our black brothers and our black siblings right um, of course uh, know your rights camp uh, founded by colin kaepernick so theirs is knowyourrightscamp.com their mission is to advance the liberation and well-being of black and brown communities through education self-empowerment mass mobilization and the creation of new systems that elevate the next generation of change leaders so there's so many more that one will speak to you so go to the glad.org because i think it's the biggest um, collection of places and coalitions and programs that you can donate to that i'm sure there's one in there that will speak to right and like we said these are you can find these available on our instagram page um with all the links you need so you can get out there and donate and help out the cause so we want to play a little audio from my friend drew who shared his experience um with his older brother having been killed by the police department in the city of in which they live it's different when you hear it from the side of the family like the family of george floyd or the family of brianna taylor sometimes you just don't get to hear what they have to say so he made a powerful statement on instagram earlier today and i asked him if we could use his audio on our podcast so we'll take a listen to that yes what up, IG? Happy Blackout Tuesday, and I'm here. I'm not going to sugarcoat fucking shit, okay? Um, this issue that we're, we're facing right now as a nation is a real thing. In 2015, I lost my older brother to the police department. 
They shot him. They covered it up. They said it was a suicide in front of my mom, my sister, my younger brother. This shit is happening more than we think it is. It doesn't need to take uh, to hit the you know national news to understand that we have a fucking problem. Okay, so I just want to shout out to all the family members that that are in mourning, that are in pain, that have lost a loved one, like our family has. This shit doesn't go away. The pain doesn't go away. And to know that there's a system put in place to keep us oppressed and there's a system put in place to never allow justice, to never allow like true accountability. It, I would live for the day that the officers who gunned down my brother are behind bars for a crime they committed. For everyone involved in the cover up and the loss of my older brother, to know that they will be held accountable and be behind bars for covering up a murder. I lost my older brother in 2015. August 10th was the day our family got shook the fuck up. This shit happens every day across the nation in your own communities and you don't even hear the stories. Why, why is that? We have a real, 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 real fucking problem in this country and it feels good to know that we're waking the fuck up. You know, we're getting sick of it but now what we really need to do is apply the right methods to apply the correct change to hold true accountability. So I'm really praying for the day that, you know, we get to see a systematic change that really brings forth the greater good for our humanity. Cause this shit right here hits at home. Shout out to all of those <clears throat> who've been there for our family, genuinely supporting, showing love, trying to understand the pain because you never will unless you go through it. Thank you. And just know, <laughs> ain't no way anything is going to get done if we remain silent. Drew, thank you for sharing that with everyone. And my heart goes out to you and your family. Before we say goodnight, we wanted to share one last audio. This is a former Obama administration aide, Desiree Barnes, pleading to looters in her neighborhood in New York City, especially to the ones of non-color who have the ability to hide behind their privilege to take the fight where it matters, such as the corporations and big businesses and out of neighborhoods of immigrants that are home to many businesses of color. Be safe, make your voices heard, and make sure you are registered to vote. Black Lives Matter. We leave you with this.
go to a methadone clinic down the street. And you think this is a protest? I gave my blood, sweat, and tears for this country. I served this country for 10 years. So when you think about this anger and this Come on this block. 